Actually, 365 negative commandments, things that you're not supposed to do. Which, if you do the math, then it'd be 248 positive commandments, things that you are supposed to do. So there's a lot of laws there. And so living a life based on law keeping would be very challenging. And so, really, what we find is that the death and resurrection of Jesus frees us from the law. There are 613 laws in the Old Testament that the people of Israel were supposed to follow. These same laws are what non-believers will be held against when they face their Creator. Today, Pastor Daniel will ask you an important question. Will you be judged by these laws? You won't if you've accepted the grace of Jesus who fulfilled each every law and then died to take the punishment you deserve. Jesus' sacrifice sets you free. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 7 as he begins his message, Totally Free. Jesus is So we all remember what it's like, though, the very last day of school when you're in elementary school. Remember that day? It's like you show up at school and you know it's the last day and you're looking at the clock. And this was, I mean, maybe now in school they have digital clocks or everyone's got a phone. But back in the day there was a little like, you know, the, the, the two hands. You know, that's how old I am, you know. And I, I remember just watching that clock. And I remember when we got to, the, you know, that last period of the day. And like you're just watching. And the teacher, like at, at that point, they would just be watching movies. Because they know they couldn't get you to learn anything if you tried, you know. And then when that bell rang, right, it's like the whole place erupted. And I was that kid. You could totally imagine this. That I, when the bell rang, I took all of my binder and my papers and I threw them all up in the air, you know what I mean? I, in the middle of the classroom, I was that kid. And then it was funny because I'd always end up having to stay after to clean it up. But that's a different story. But it was worth it. But like there's just something about when school's going to let out, right? Or for those of you who it's been too long since you were in like elementary school, when you know you have a vacation coming up, right? And you know you got your two weeks vacation coming up and you're just like counting the hours down. And then finally when it's time to quit in time from work and then all of a sudden you're like, Free at last. It's time to go experience what I was really hoping for. Now, the reason I bring this up is one of the secret sauces of life in Christ is this idea of freedom. What does freedom really mean? And the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans spends a lot of time talking about the freedom that we receive from Jesus. And today we're going to see that really we are totally free from the law. So in order to get at this, I want you to open up in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans 7, we're going to be taking verses 1 to 12. So I always encourage you, bring your Bible with you to church. It's an amazing thing about just getting really comfortable reading the same Bible. I have one Bible that I've been reading for the longest time, and it's kind of, I just know that Bible. And I also for uh, realize for many of you, you're like, man, I got a mobile phone, so I get my, my Bible on my phone. It's so cool, and I know that those of you who have a smartphone, you're super loving the Bible reading app, where they'll actually read the Bible to you. And about, how many of you are using that on the Crossroads mobile app? We've been, me and my kids have been listening to the Bible on the way to school now. 
You know, so it's like we just stick it on there. I don't have to read. I just hit the button, and we're just reading the Bible as we go to school together. It's super fun. And as we've been studying now the book of Exodus, my kids are like, Dad, that's kind of intense. It's like, yeah, it is. So good. So if you have a mobile device, of course, Romans chapter 7, as we continue this series. Now, we're just going to jump right on in. Romans 7, 1 says this. It says, or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, That the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is set free from that law so that she is no adulteress. Though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Now, really what this teaches us is that Jesus' death freed us from the law. Jesus' death freed us from the law. Now, if you've been tracking with us through the book of Romans, you realize how important this is because the Apostle Paul has been making a case that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, everything for a person is different. For the Jewish people, the law is God's standard for righteousness. And because they were seeking to please God through law keeping, you end up being weighed down with a lot of concerns and cares. Now, how many of you know how many laws there are in the book of Moses? Who knows the number? Okay, I just got like 97 different numbers. Thank you very much. You know, so most people say that there's 10 commandments. And there are. There are 10 unique commandments written with the finger of God on two tablets of stone given to Moses on Mount Sinai. But rabbis would tell you that there's actually 613 specific commandments in the law. Now, ask yourself a simple question. How much fun do you think it would be to try and remember how to keep 613 commandments every single day? That would be pretty hard, right? And what's amazing is that if you actually, if you do the math of it, there's actually 365 negative commandments, things that you're not supposed to do. Which if you do the math, then it would be 248 positive commandments, things that you are supposed to do. So there's a lot of laws there. And so living a life based on law keeping would be very challenging. And so really what we find is that the death and resurrection of Jesus frees us from the law. Look at what he says, verse 1. Do you not know, brethren, and I speak to you as those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? So the idea, and think about it in just really practical terms. As long as you're alive here, you are responsible to abide by the laws of the land. Does that make sense? And he's saying when you die, guess what? You're not responsible to pay your taxes. Praise God. Right? It's like, it's like once, once your life ends and you don't have to continue to keep the law in the same way. And then what the apostle Paul is saying is he's saying that, listen, you've been freed from the law through Jesus' death because he uses an example of a woman who is married to a husband. And he says, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. Now, you might say, well, okay, so this is kind of like a really crude example, but it's really not because if a man and woman are married, then the woman is legally married to her husband as long as the husband is alive. 
But when the husband passes away, then the woman is now freed from the legal binding of being married. And then he goes on in verse 3, and he says, So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she would be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. See, and the idea is, is like, I remember when Lynn and I went to go get our, our marriage certificate. You know, in that there's all these questions about previous marriages and different things because according to the laws of even our land, you're only allowed to be married to one person at a time, right? And the idea is that if a woman, if she goes to marry another man while her husband was alive in that culture, she would be considered an adulteress, right? Because it was illegal, right? But if the husband passes away, now she's free from the former marriage, and she can marry another person. And Paul's using this as a crude example to remind us of exactly what it means to be in Christ. Because by the time you get to verse 4, it says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. Now, how cool is that? How cool is that? Because really what he's saying is that when Jesus died on the cross, we, you and I, our old lives, our old nature died with him. And Jesus, just as a person dies to the law and they're no longer on it, we died to the law so that we can have a new life. We can be free for something different. And in a lot of ways, I am so grateful that my life isn't driven by rule keeping. And that's really what it is, is that the difference between Christianity and every other religion, and I don't only mean traditional religions, I mean uh, non-traditional religions as well. Because I realize that we live in a day and age now where maybe the, the most popular religion is what you would consider non-traditional religions, or I just make it up as I go along depending on what book I just read, right? And really, in any tradition, what you find whether it's a new one, whether it's a self-derived, like choose your own spiritual adventure kind of thing, is that there's things that you need to do in order to be right. Like right now, we have a blossoming new civil religion that says, unless you vote like I do, unless you believe like I do, unless you get aggravated about the things that I'm aggravated about today, then you are not a good person. Right? And this is, this is very common. And this is actually happening on both sides of the aisle. You realize that, right? In a lot of ways, you realize that's classic rule-keeping. You realize that. So this thing goes on in the news, and unless I get aggravated and tell everyone how aggravated I am, then I am not really serious about these things. See, it's all laws. You have to do this in order to be accepted. And in every single religious tradition of whatever sort, that's what religion is. is these are the rules and the regulations that you have to keep in order to be acceptable. But Christianity actually says that you are acceptable outside of any rule keeping. And you don't do things to be accepted because you're accepted. It's a different motivation that changes the way that you live your life. See, religion says, I obey, therefore God accepts me. Christianity says, or the gospel says, God accepts me, therefore I would like to live a life of obedience. And those motivations are radically different. And really what it's saying is that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you are born again, that you die to rule keeping. And now you are accepted in Christ and that changes the way that you live. It's like the apostle Peter said, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. 
being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And if a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, this is what's going on. See, Jesus suffered once on the cross for sin, right? The just, Jesus as the just one standing in the place of the unjust ones, which are you and I. Why? He did that. He might bring us to God. And he was put to death in the flesh, but he was made alive in the spirit. And in the exact same way, that's the gift he gives you and I. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus died to free you from the law. You're not under law. You're under grace. And as we died with Christ at the cross, our bodies of flesh were put to death. And God has made us alive in the newness of the spirit. And really from there, the apostle Paul begins to unpack more of what this means. Look what it says in verse four. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now... You have been delivered from the law, having died to what you were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So really what the Apostle Paul is saying now is that for you and I, we have to learn or we get to learn how to be new in the spirit. We get to be new in the spirit. God sets us free, totally free, to be new in the spirit. And really what you find is that the cross becomes that fork in the road where everything changes for a person. See, before we're in Christ, we begin to realize that our lives are ruled by these sinful passions, right? And the law is a major player within the realm of how these desires and these passions run. This just happened in my house recently because it was Annabelle's birthday a number of weeks back. My little Annabelle turned five years old, right? Isn't that so cool? She's five. Pray for us. You know, Annabelle's just a blast. I mean, like, I wish all of you, I almost just want to bring Annabelle up here one day and let her preach because it would just be comic relief and everyone would be happy they came to church that day. Because she's just, she's such a joyful person. But sure enough, for my bride, Lynn, you know, as a mom, she wants to make sure that, like, Annabelle has a great birthday. So she's got to prepare. Like, she can't just bring all the treats in before, you know, the day of the birthday. She's got to start stocking up before we get there. And sure enough, all of a sudden, I see all these goodies coming in the house. And you know what? You know what mama says? She said, Daniel, those are for Annabelle's birthday. You're not allowed to touch them. Now, what happens when that happens? You know what happens, right? You're like, I wonder why I can't touch them. You know, and then you start, you start rationalizing. You're like, well, the reason we were able to buy those is because I got a job. So those are technically my treats, right? Isn't this true? It starts going that way. And then you start to say to yourself, well, she said, don't touch them. Is it possible to eat them without touching them? You know, like, like, like you start, I'm being partially facetious, you know what I mean? Cause then she would be there and I'd be in the, I'd be in the pantry just staring at them, you know? And she would be like, what are you doing? Nothing. It's like staring at what's in there, licking my chops, you know? Like, 
She's like, will you get out of there? I'm like, why are these in here? They're for Annabelle's birthday. I know. Can't we start celebrating your birthday now? You know? Because you know you're not supposed to, but even though you know you're not supposed to, you still want to do it. And see, really what he says that's going on here is that while we are in the flesh, outside of Christ, these passions, these sinful desires are aroused by the law. And so really what goes on is that it's not that the law, and we're going to see that in a little bit, it's not that the law is sinful. The problem is, is that in the face of the you're not allowed to do that, it's the one thing that you want to do. Right? Because given the prohibition, now all of a sudden, you have to make a choice of the will. And behind this whole discussion of the deadness that comes from the law and the newness that comes from the spirit, of course, is the story of Adam and Eve. Remember, God gave Adam and Eve complete liberty. They weren't in a one tree garden. They were in paradise. There wasn't only one fruitful tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There were infinite numbers of them. They could have had whatever kind of food they wanted to, right? They had complete access. But there's one tree. You're not allowed to eat it. And so there's one prohibition. But then, of course, the serpent comes and says, hey, listen, man. Why aren't you allowed to eat that one? You know why? Because God's mean. God doesn't want you to be like him. God doesn't want, God doesn't want a, a, a competition for the throne. And Eve looks upon it and she notices that the tree is good for food. So it's got nice fruit on it. You know what I mean? It's pretty. It was desirable to make her wise. And in the midst of God's prohibition, and now just a little bit of encouragement, now all of a sudden they're on a collision course with rebellion. I mean, it would be wonderful to say that that was only true of Adam and Eve, but I live in the real world that you and I live in. It'd be like if you went to the doctor and the doctor said, okay, listen, no more bacon cheeseburgers for you. And then you come to Crossroads. And the Secret Sauce series videos goes, and before you know it, they're putting the oil on the grill, and the meat's going down, and right as they're serving it, you know, all of us, like, I'm not allowed to eat that, thank you very much, right? Because then it becomes a question of the will, and the problem for all of us is that we all are tempted, we all have these desires, and in the moment, we have the capacity to choose what we want as opposed to what God would have for us. And that's how the law functions. The law reveals to us the passions and desires for rebellion in our heart. Can we all just be honest that left at their own devices, the idea of rebelling and doing our own thing as opposed to God's thing is very enticing. Isn't that the truth? You don't think about yourself in that way, but that's exactly what it is. That God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And then left at their own devices, we're like, we want to do our own thing. And even right now, can we just be super honest? There are many of us right now, you know what God's word says. You know what it means. You know that God isn't like like playing silly with his word. Like, I'll tell you to do this. I'm telling you no, but I really mean yes. It's none of that. Right? You know what it says, but when those desires come up, even though there's the prohibition there, you're like, man, I'm totally doing that right now. It's like we always want to say, Lord, you know, not my will, but yours be done. But we maybe should say, Lord, you know that I shouldn't do this, but I want to do it. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Will you help me? And Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, the problem for us is that we have these passions, right? We have these desires, and then we have the revealed purpose and plan of God. And because we have these revealed purpose and plan of God, now all of a sudden... 
A decision has to be made. And really what he says is that either way we bear fruit, whether we bear good fruit or bad fruit, whether we bear corrupt fruit that leads to death, or whether we bear new or good fruit that leads to life. I mean, look at what it says by the end of verse 5. Our sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now you have been delivered from the law, having died to what you were held by, that so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So here's the thing. No matter how you live, no matter what decisions and no matter what drives your decisions, there is fruit that's going to be born. Now, don't miss the analogy. He was using this idea of being married, right? And so you were married to the law. And when people are married, then offspring happen, right? Now, again, back in the day, they didn't have the different technologies that we have to maybe delay offspring from coming and all that stuff. But in that culture, when two people got married, there was going to be offspring. And really what he's saying now is that when a person is married to living under the law, according to the law, right, the offspring of that is death. That union leads to offspring, which is death. But he's saying, but actually, when you die to the law through the death of Jesus and you're raised again, a resurrected life in Christ, now all of a sudden you are not married to the law, you're married to God, you're married to Jesus and you're married to grace. And now all of a sudden the fruit is not death, but it's life because we're new in the spirit. So the question really becomes for you and I is what kind of fruit is being born in our life right now? Now, I realize that when it comes to bearing fruit, let's just listen to Jesus for a second here. In John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, and then also in verse 8, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. So what God is interested in is that you and I bear fruit. Now, as it relates to fruit bearing, you realize that fruit is always born in its season, right? Like, you can't force fruit to be born before the time for that to happen, but really what Jesus is saying is that unless you abide in him, just as if you have, uh, if you planted a fruit tree in your backyard, let's say, right? If you cut the branches off, no matter how much you go to that branch, hoping that there's going to be fruit on it, there never will. Why? Because the branch has no life in itself. The branch derives its life but being connected to the trunk, which has roots into the ground. Jesus is Is your life bearing any fruit? In today's message, Pastor Daniel reminded you that in order to be fruitful, you must be connected to the tree. A branch lying on the ground can't continue to grow. It's disconnected from its roots, its source of life. Don't let the world draw you away from where you should be connected and grounded. Remember that Jesus is the one who saved you, gave you new life, and will continue to help you thrive. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. 
I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will remind you that now that you're set free from the law, you're free to do a number of things for Jesus. These are acts of kindness or postures of the heart that the weight of sin kept you from. Your freedom in Christ may make a way for you to be more generous or for you to praise your Creator. Think about what Jesus has freed you to do and then go out and do it. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called The Secret Sauce. Until then, may God bless.